0: I'm going to tell you up front now, church, and I want you to record this in your mind. The world has gone mad. I said it again, our world has gone mad. They are totally mad, <clears throat> and I believe. As I said to Brother Beaton today, I believe there are four angels right now in the east, the west, and the north and the south that's around this earth holding back the powers of sin that it will not release its venom on earth and so what God is doing the Lord let me know in my spirit that he is the ark that God is building Jesus Christ is the living ark on earth. Like Noah built an ark, God's building an ark. The ark is called the body of Christ. It's a building program. The church is a building program. God is building, compacting. It must come to an end until it all come to the full statue of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's building a statue of Jesus. And when it's complete, that's the end of the thing. The church will be gone. The world's gone mad. The world's drunken on Babylonian doctrine. Not just religious, but I mean political and political and religious, the whole bit. And they're mad. The love of many is wax cold. Here's how you define the love of a country. The love of a country is defined by their love for two things. One, they love babes. And number two, they love their wives. And when the Bible said the desires of women he will not regard. What does a woman re- desire? What does a young lady re- desire most than anything else? is to get married. And number two, to have a child. Those are the two desire of a woman. Every woman that lives. To get married and have a child. And when, when that desire is stymified or is, is anti, then you have the spirit of Antichrist ready to be ruthless. <coughs> it said the love of men is wax cold. Now, two things a man naturally loves in history is his offspring. And his wife. And when they no longer love those two things, they know love has gone cold. In our record of the world today, they're killing mercilessly. Nobody is exempted. In the womb, they lived a long time ago. Now, in the birth stage, the 18 months, 12 year old, they're killing like you wouldn't believe. Because of the times we're living in. In other words, these are perilous times. Let's take our Bibles. (coughs) (coughs) But we are in that day. But then the Lord said, occupy till I come. Do what, Lord? Occupy till I come. Now, in fact, you may be seated. I want to show you some things here. A child of God the simple one I'm going to teach you is the putting in, in picturesque perspectives how things are today when you look at that chart that I've drawn is my impression here everything always starts with Jesus Christ and everything going to end with Him start with Him and end with Him the law, the prophets, and the Psalms are history. When Jesus Christ came, because of His life and mission, we have the apostolic faith. The apostolic faith, believe it or not, is the apostles' doctrine. Acts two thirty-eight. That is the message. I know it's not preached around the world, and that's the strong delusion that's on our world. Our world does not recognize that scripture. Acts one scripture means so much. On that hang the law, the prophet and the psalm. That's why Jesus died. For that very verse. That verse alone is that why Jesus died. You can't get in the kingdom of God without it. It's impossible. Nobody can. This apostolic period. It's not preached. Another gospel is being preached. Galatians 1, 5 to 8 tells you, another gospel is being preached. This is the gospel of the apostles and Jesus Christ. They preach. That's not mean preached. So all these churches that you see in town here, now you can say what you will about me, that's fine. It doesn't make a difference. They're, not, they're lost. Every one of them are lost. They say if they're lost. Why do they prosper? Why do they grow? Well, you have to read the book of Matthew 7 about the wheat and the tares. The Lord gave them permission to grow. He gave them permission to exist. Let the wheat and the tare grow. And he forbid the, 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 the servant to go and interfere with the tares. He says, leave it alone. It don't bother us. Let them grow until the harvest when he sends the angels to bundle them and separate them from us and burn them. So, they're going to grow. They're with us and there's nothing good about it. They're on earth. They say they're Christians. They're not Christians. And they confuse a the world that don't know what a Christian is. And, the Christ, and they call calling good, evil, and evil good. So they're confused. Now, we are not to be confused. And I'm not talking about them tonight. Now, there's a point in history where this come into being. Perilous time. Paul says perilous time will come. They say it did come. Will come. I'm saying it began when the nation of Israel finally got back to her homeland and let people it settled in their homeland. That's God's time. Peace. For this world. Nothing else. Okay? By the way, God's not impressed by you there. I'm at Christmas party. He's not impressed by Because he's not in it at all. He knows where it came from. He's not even involved in it. But, from the year 2000, up to now, I believe we're seeing perilous times. Perils mean the news is so horrific, the report is so degrading, it is so un- inhumane, and more and more making it more wicked and more wicked. And we are now accepting it as a way of life. We've been conditioned to do that. And yet, we have to witness and work in that area. God said we are witnessing an environment among scorpions, serpents. That's where we're in. It's a very dangerous environment. Paul called it perilous times. Now, in that time, I want to talk to you about where we are and what we're doing in these perilous times. Unfortunately, the Bible says that the church will be sleeping now, I don't mean snoring. I don't mean you having a nap. Because huh? having a nap, God told, Peter told Jesus that's a good, good thing. If you're napping, it's okay. <laughs> I'm talking about you are sleeping in that you don't understand what it means when you hear these things. But Jesus said, when you see these things and hear these things, then you know it's not the end yet, but it's the beginning of sorrows. If you read the Bible, they're about, they're about uh, there are in Revelation about three woes on the earth. Woes doesn't mean good. Woe mean destruction sorrow. and sorrow. It's all after when the devil is down on the earth. Satan is not earthbound. He's still the prince of the air. He controls the air. Because God leave him there to do what he's doing. Now, the church is being built. Like the ark is being built. The parallel times are here between Noah's Day and Lost Day. We we are in that time. It's not coming. It's here. The days of Noah is here. Read the fifth chapter of Genesis. You find what it is. The days of uh, Sodom is here. Read the eighteenth chapter of Genesis. You know what it is. So you shouldn't be wondering what I mean by that. You know what it means those parallels are here. And Jesus said, that's how it would be. Now, in the in the midst of all of that, the church is here to occupy till I come. That, that's a military term, occupation. mean be in control of what's His. And in McMurray, the only place in McMurray that God really owns is right here, where His church is. In this church perimeter, This is the only place in this city where it can be said, it must be said, His will is being done. Outside the wall, there, nothing is being done. They do what they feel like. But wherever He he has dominion, it's His will that's being done. So this church has to carry out His will. Not my will nor your will, but His will be done here. Outside the church, no, it won't happen. Akbar, till I come. I put Acts 1 to 28 for the apostolic period and we're still in the apostolic period but there's a transition taking place where we're seeing we're going now into Revelation 1 to 4 Revelation 1 to 4 is where you literally see the wheat and the tares grow together because in all seven churches there were tares and the Bible says God didn't plant those But they're there amongst the saints. That's why the term is used. He that overcometh, you must overcome the influence or the onslaught of the tares against the wheat. Because the tares and and, and the snare are going to choke the wheat kill it. Now what we're seeing here, right here, God, in Revelation 1 to 4, is talking really to us in the final closure of the church age. He's telling us what he's doing now and will do later. So we are literally in chapter 1, 2, 3, 4 Revelation, we are there. You may not think so, but I'm telling you as a pastor that you are there. And we're experiencing everything we see chapter 1 to 4. We have to overcome those things that are happening in chapter 1 to 4. If we plan to be in chapter 5, 4 and 5, 4 is the the rapture, 5 is the reward, and then chapter 19 is our second coming. Very simple. You have to understand that. So, occupy till I come. When Paul said, Not forsaking the seven together for ourselves, as the man of some is, so much the more, as we see this day approaching. This day and that day. They're approaching. Now you see people coming out in great numbers on Sunday. That's all they'll ever do. And that's fine. We welcome that. (laughs) But that's not the right thing to do. That's all they will do. And, And in all likelihood, they might find themselves into the realm called the unwise virgins. So they come to church with good intention, and they know they should be here, and they come, but they're coming uh, with a neglect, procrastination of assembling together. Paul warned against that. All right, we're seeing a big of sorrows. Listen to today's news: sorrow, killing, <coughs> killing, murder, atrocities, genocide. You name it; it's all happening. Well, we're told that in 24th chapter of Matthew and 25th chapter, nothing can happen unless not forecasted before. But I want to talk to you not about the tribulation, or being of sorrows, or the apostolic period, or in the millennium, or in the second coming, or in the rapture. I want to talk to you about something else. 24th chapter, go there, Matthew. Now, I hope God can bless you with understanding as He showed me in His Word. In Matthew 24, Jesus gave a little dissertation on the end times. And He tells us in chapter 24, verse 1, all the way down, to verse 40 uh, let's go to verse 36 he said there are going to be some world events coming upon us those world events are going to be affecting us let's look at 24th chapter of Matthew and verse 44 and verse 50 he said it's coming to be sudden verse 42, 43 says it's unknown <coughs> you don't know when it's going to happen the 25th chapter in verse 6 and verse 13 says it's sudden and unknown <coughs> there are two attitudes towards this time we're living in people that know the, the gospel are saying the Lord delayeth his coming one gonna say that as the church people and the world are going to say where is the promise of his coming to the different analogy. now notice here we find that stewardship being discussed in the latter part of the 24th chapter and the 25th and notice how Jesus does that after he talks about His going away he talks about the end time in a very graphic way and before he finishes that, he go right into discussing about his people. We that knows him. I want to talk to you about our stewardship. What is a stewardship? A stewardship is somebody who's left with a responsibility and they're accountable for how they perform. Right? And they don't they don't know when the master who left them in responsibility whether with responsibility and accountability what time he will return so his return will be anonymous, unknown sudden, and at a time when they don't know when, alright verse 40 it says they would say he delayeth his coming I want to talk to you about the people that are mentioned in 24th chapter and the 25th chapter, alright the first one we look at is the stewardship in the 24th chapter of Matthew, verse 45 to 47, he talked about stewardship. The wise and the unwise servant. He said, when I come, he said to the wise servant, blessed because you're faithful and you're wise. What is that? 45 47 says, you're faithful and and you're wise. Verse 46 says you're blessed. Because you're dependable. And then verse 47. There's a promotion. There's a promotion. That got elevated. It says. I'm going to make him ruler over. I said, I'm going to make you ruler over. So the wise steward. Or the wise servant. The Bible says. He's faithful. He's wise hearted. He's blessed, he's dependable, and he's promoted in giving greater authority to be a ruler. Amazing, from a steward to a ruler. It's like Joseph being elevated. But then there's a counterpart to that in verse 48 to 51. But well, there's another group that are called evil, wicked, unprofitable. One become a hypocrite. That's amazing. They both have the same responsibility, the same possibility, same opportunity, but one group is called faithful and wise, blessed, dependable, and got promotion, and elevated, and the other group is called evil, wicked, unfaithful servant, who is a hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? False face. A pretender. To be something they're not. Well, they put a show on. He said, they'll be punished, in verse 50, and cut asunder. Now, that's strong talking from Jesus. That's not the kind of Jesus people preach on the radio, TV. But he says, I'm going to punish that evil servant. Words, he's a servant. He's, the outside. he's a servant. But he's wicked. He's unfaithful. He's a hypocrite. And he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. That's a call on stewardship. How are you doing with your stewardship? This guy didn't know it. Neither of these servants knew at what time the master would show up. The return date is unknown His coming is not announced. All they know is He's coming. I mean, He's sudden. And He won't delay. He's going to come. And when He came, He found those that are faithful. In other words, the one in in the wicked category was an eye service worker. So, when He's not there, they're not working for him. The one who is consistent doing what's right all the time will be caught doing what they've always done. Because if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep on getting what you've always got. Right? And so, notice the difference here. One is promoted and elevated and one is punished, demoted, and cut down. And God called them evil, wicked, unjust, a hypocrite. You do well when the master's looking when he's not looking you're not doing anything. God says, you're evil, you're wicked, you're hypocrite, and you be punished. Cut down, because you're not living up to your job description or your responsibility. And God says, you're not faithful. You're unfaithful as a steward. But the one that's faithful, God says, you're blessed. Because you're dependable, and you did that which was right, and I'm going to promote you. And raise you to a level where I make you a ruler. Before you weren't a ruler, you were a servant. But now you're in the masterhood. He's talking to us. Notice it came right on the heel of Matthew 24 and the end time. Then to prove the whole chapter is about stewardship in the last days. The coming is unknown. Because the 25th chapter we see in verse 6 and verse 10. is going to be a sudden and a surprise. After the Lord mentioned this evil servant and compared him with the righteous servant, they're going to compare the virgins. Again, the watchman is shown up at a time when they don't expect him. Look in verse 2, the 25th chapter. He called him a wise, verse 4, and I'm putting these words in there, proactive, Verse 7, Always in a state of beautiful readiness. And verse 10, The faithfulness paid off. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> Martha was worried about Mary. And Mary, I'm watching her. But Jesus was taking note of both of them. He was. The 11-hour believer, and, the, and those before... The Lord said, you're high, Lord. These are working. And the reward was given out as he saw fit. Of course, they didn't like the way he issued the rewards, But he was watching. And he paid his story based on how they worked. But in this case here, 25th chapter, a lot of people don't read this and realize, he's talking about you and me. And he showed all different categories of us. First, as servants. What do servants do? Serve! What are these virgins supposed to be doing? These are like bride maids. They can wreck a wedding by not being ready, not showing up at that appointed time. He said five were wise and five were foolish. Could it mean? I don't know. Could it mean that? Fifty percent of professing Christians are just not going to make it. <coughs> Could be. Because the word "virgin" means pure. So that I means pure. But the purity was not enough to save them. Here they're saved by faith in the beginning. But then, after you're saved by faith, you maintain your salvation by works. A lot of folks think by saved by the first stage that's all right and good enough. I said, no, you're wrong. You're my servants. If I make it to heaven, you make it. We we'll have to call servants on the other side of the world. Said so my servants will see my face daily. No servant, nobody in heaven is lazy or taking it easy. They're serving Christ, <coughs> and practice starts down here. You're all practicing down here. A lot of folks don't realize that. He called, verse 2, you're wise. Verse 4, you're proactive. You got you got you're preparing yourself for the future. You're preparing for the opportunity. God gave you the time to make use of it. And verse 7, you're ready for anything that the master may want. You're ready for it. And the faithfulness paid up. Because The door was shut, and they were shut in. Not shut out. They were shut in with the Lord. And the others that should have been ready and prepared, and the same outcome did not have it. Look at verse 2. They're called foolish. Verse 3. They're reactive. They, they, They know they need it. They should have, could have, ought to have, but they didn't. Neglect. Verse 8 and 9, they procrastinate. i got time. And guess what? (laughs) Time didn't wait for them. He showed up at the most inopportune time. They're not ready. They don't have the goods. They're not living up to their job description. And they are caught. And they're on the same level as the wicked servant. God says, I don't know you. He fired them. He shut them out. He said, You're not gonna come in. Stay out. I don't want you there. He locked them out. It's amazing. He shuts them in and shuts them out. He elevated some and damned some. It's all a matter of personal personal responsibility. Story that really interested me is the servants. I so said, We work 11 hours, you pay us for the, I mean, 12 hours, you pay us for 12 hours, we got paid for 12 hours, a penny, that's all we got. And these guys work one hour, I you paid them a penny. and I'm mad. I said, Just a minute now. There's no inequality with me. I gave you pay for 12 hours, but 12 hours work. These guys work one hour, but did 12 hours work in one hour. And I choose to pay them a bonus. The problem is with you. Not me. I said, it's not my problem. And so, he said, I said, he said you're evil. You're wicked. Because your thinking is bad. It's mine to do what I want to do with it. I can do what I want with it. Your job is to perform. And I reward you calling your performance. You reap what you sow." So, why are these shut out and why are these shut in? Why are these elevated and these are demoted? And I was thinking, you know, God is fair. God's fair, but always seems unfair of the way He operates. So, stewardship is in question here. The first group, He was about doing, verse 46 or 24. God questioned their doings. In the same category, of the Virgin, God questioned their watching. Their watching. How proactive are they? Now I worked for a company before, and in fact, where I worked, they always call me in at the end of the year (laughs) and do a review on me, performance review. And they, they, some people get fired, some get demoted. You know, so we get elevated, and not everybody's happy at that time of the year. (laughs) But the boss, after all that old year, look at the work, what was done, and some appear to be wise, and some are foolish. Some make no contribution to the company, and some make wonderful contributions. And obviously, those who don't make are out first. The first one that laid off are those who are viewed as incompetent. Unprofitable, Not worthy of keeping. Add nothing to the company. They're the first one get good. So be careful you got to lay up from your job. They're trying to tell you something. You're not profitable. Okay, if you were no company kill a fruit tree. They keep it going. You just don't kill a fruit tree. You keep that fruit tree living. But well, if you're bearing fruit, chop it down. You don't lose nothing. Now, look at this. Watch. Watch because you don't know when you're going to show up. I was working in, in, in for, for this company, I won't call their name, in Edmonton. And you got to know I'm a Christian, and sometimes all the engineers are gone out to the field. And I was in the, I was in the laboratory, and, and so I was working in the lab. And there are times when I'm the only one in the lab and doing uh, testing and, and, and analysis on materials that are use for building construction and so on. And uh, that's my training. And so... I was working away doing my work on my desk and I, I felt a sense of presence. I really did. You know, there's an aura about humanity you can feel a sense of being watched or being looked on. And But that boss, he tiptoed from the top floor came down to see what I was doing. If I was sloughing off on the job. And I looked around and I saw it. He was shocked when I turned and looked at him. But I was doing my work. But if I wasn't doing my work, he'd have caught me, right? In non productive activity. I'm not sure what he would have done. But in this case, the foolish got shut out and told, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Can't help you. Out. And what's amazing is they knew where to get what they needed, but they didn't do it. Procrastination. It's about stewardship. Is God talking to you and me about this? I think so, because it's on the look where he, look where He placed it, right on the heel of His return, and He's using metaphors. He's using servitude, servants. He's using uh, virgins and and readiness, watchfulness, and He's saying, "My coming son will be a surprise." You're not going to know when I'm coming. I'm going to catch you doing what you've always been doing. I mean, if you've always been unfaithful, one of these days, the boss is going to catch you being unfaithful. Guaranteed. You'll be caught doing what you've always done. Because that's how life is. Then, did the Lord stop there? No. He kept on going, which I'll go on to later on. But I know, here, the Lord's trying to teach the saints how to strive to be successful in His sight. Because if you're not, you're not going to be rapture ready. The final test of stewardship is the rapture. Because nobody's going to float up in the heavens unless He pulls you up. I don't care how much you profess down here and how much you go on down here. If He doesn't pull you up, you're not going to go up. You will not be translated. You will not be changed in a moment unless He changes you. So it's not going to happen. And that's why I think people are foolish who come they're Christian. They're not. I haven't thought about it because you said you are. Don't make you one. you got to make sure you make your calling and election sure. Now, Christians don't think they got something to do. They think of the church and come to church Hear me preaching. Go home. Have no responsibility. Oh no, you're wrong. Revelation chapter one to four. The key issue was I know your work. I know your work habit. I know what you do, what you're not doing, and I'm watching you. In fact, Paul put it this way. He said, "Your work will be tested by fire. If it burns up, you might be lost." He also. Think about it. In the 25th chapter, it was about virgins, wise, verse 10. Were they wise or were they foolish? The wise prepare for his return. We see in the 24th chapter, and verse 44 to 46, 4 this is the Bible study, folks, we're starting the Bible. It's about faithful servitude. Now, what would be. What would have passed to, to got up on Tuesday? Come to prayer meeting. Who's my boss? Who's telling me I need to do that? Who's telling me on Friday night tonight I must prepare this and bring it? If I didn't bring it to you, you wouldn't even care. It wouldn't bother you one bit, really. If I come Sunday, I have none priest, the priests. say, well, you're just tired. But you're wrong. There is a master. There is a Lord. Of the harvest, there is a bridegroom coming. It says every man's work shall be rewarded and tested and tried. Nobody's gonna slip through. All right. I used to work at a place where this guy—he always does this. You know, he gets away with it too. But it was—it was very unethical, very wicked. What he does. In fact, two companies. I've seen this this happened. He would not do the work and let it stay there till the evening comes, and then use it for overtime. I thought oh, you were crooked, and he gets away with it, and the boss don't catch on with it, but he does it all the time. This servant, twenty fourth chapter of Matthew, forty four forty six, is he faithful or is he unfaithful? question is, are you faithful? The way you're behaving, are you are you are you revealing wisdom? Are you acting foolish? I always tell people, never ask me for a resume if you're not faithful, because I can't lie for you. I'm not going to hell for you. No way. I'm going to tell you exactly as I know you. For what you do, what you are. Right? Because If I give a a recommendation on you, it's my reputation on the line. I'm I'm messing up my reputation because you're going to always do what you've always done. You're not going to change it. tomorrow. There's no way. You're locked in a habit. You're locked in a pattern of behavior that you'll always continue doing. And you won't change overnight. It's impossible. Over two days, you mean, we're going to go right back to automatic drive. You've always done that. You always will do it. And so, we see here in the 25th chapter, Matthew 21 and 23, stewardship is in question here. He's asking him, How did you invest what I placed in your responsibility? God says one group is profitable and the other is not profitable. You know, we're not equal before Jesus Christ. We're not. He knows those that are profitable. A company keeps you employed because you bring benefits to the company. When you cease to be beneficial, they'll let you go. Because losing you don't mean to lose anything. But if they can, (laughs) if they can, you know, when they do, you know, in company and they have these uh, cutbacks. You know, this year in company, there'll be a lot of cutbacks. But they will not cutbacks on fruitful branches. Give me those dead, dead, those dead, you know, that sucker, that, that those parasites. They're going to give her the parasites, kill the parasites, kill the parasites off. You know, our apple tree will not bear. All those suckers and those parasites are on there. I didn't believe it, but my wife proved it to me. When they cut those parasites off, the thing flourishes and blossoms and blooms. Because the parasite just sucks and and robs it of nutrients. And that's why the Lord said to the fig tree, Why do you cumber the ground? Why are you in the ground? because you're eating up all the nutrients. You're eating up all the nutrients and you're not producing anything. It's all leaves. That's not your place. You're not here to produce leaves. You're here to produce fruit. And in those days, they didn't have a, you know, uh, grass and weeds and all that stuff. Uh, destroyer. You can put them out there and kill, kill the bad plants. No. You got to cut root it up. Cut it up. They're, they're rid of it. it. It was occupying space but not producing anything useful. And I said, look, I know your ability. In other words, this guy here, he had the ability but was not performing according to his ability. Because the Lord said, I gave you so much responsibility based on your ability. I gave you so much, that's what it says, in verse 12 and 23, based on your responsibility, your ability. I gave you in other words, I didn't give you more than you were able to produce. You you could. What's the matter with your integrity? Do you have integrity? Do you have uh, a conscientiousness to do the right thing? And I said, you are profitable. Well done. You know, jealousy in churches is amazing how people are jealous in church. Because one gets a pat on the back and you can get a pat on the back. Hey, you have to, you have to earn it you have to earn well done you can't you, can, you know get mad because someone got you know blessed. I mean God told Cain I don't love Abel more than you but Abel does the right thing you don't and i have shown my approval by setting on the fire and you don't so I'm just going to say forget it why are you angry at him and me you're the one that's hurting yourself and so he's fruitful and profitable and make wise investment. And God said, look, that's my, that's my guy. Promote him! Turn their please. 25th chapter, verse 21-23. You know, I, I was preaching with this guy. They were preaching for one of his anniversary service. And he's mad at all. He's mad at his elders. He's mad. He walks in there. He Dr. and look at that. Look at that paper right there. They They walk over it. They see it. He said, "Look at those bulbs." I left and came back, and the bulb is still there, still out. He said, "Look there, the paper is still there." Da-da-da. He said, "I'm so mad. I flipped up the, the mop and start doing my own mopping." <laughs> that's true. A real leader always gets pushed and want to do what's not being done. And so when I do it, they come and say, "Oh no, let me let me do it." But why do you do it? How do you know? It's in your ability. The deacons wouldn't do it. The elders wouldn't do it. And they saw it. He said, I came back and see it just like I left it. And you want it. Did they not see it? Could they not look at it and realize something needs to be done? The place is a mess. Can't you clean up? Well, it's not my responsibility. Who says that? It's everybody's responsibility. And so he's mad. He's angry. I said, well, okay, Welcome to the club. That's that's leadership hazard. Amen. This guy, the Lord cursed him, and here's, here's the problem. He said, uh, "He said, look, uh, I could have done it, but you know, but I don't like the way you run this ship." He says, and you find fault, not even humble unprofitable people are not humble because their best defense is arrogance insubordination and he was not nice to the boss and the boss says throw him out, he's wicked he's unprofitable he's unfruitful, get him out throw him out wake up with the story in here it's a warning for you and me it's a lesson God is trying teaches. He will do that to us. God, take a cup of water given in His name as an act against Him or for Him. Now, i got nobody in mind, but people do this. Pastor, I don't want to teach us no more. I quit. In fact, this this, this church, this person will do in the books, and one day... Credit. Bad. Wow. Wow. Can't you do that? Sure, you can. just your rights. But it may not go well up there. Because we're servants. You're bought with a price. You're not your own. You belong to Jesus. You guys didn't know that? The word means slave. You don't, you don't have a choice. The, the master is the boss. He said, if you came from the field, tired as could be. Very tired, 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 tired. And you come and go rest. And he said, hey, before you rest, give me a drink of water. He said, should I feel bad doing that? He said, No. You are a slave. Servant. The highest position in Pentecost is not pastor, apostle, teacher, evangelist. It's a servant. The highest title in our church is being a servant. Amazing. So he called him fruitful and profitable. He was in he was a good investor investor of his master's goods. You know, time is money. Time is money. And your ability is converting to cash. You don't even realize that. That's why you kids at school learn pretty good, because you're going to give a, you know, you're shouting you're your, your pocketbook later on. You flunk out the college, you're going to be a beggar out there. <laughs> probably put a skid row. You pass all your grades, you'll be you'll be uh, wanted. They'll look for you. They'll hire you. Alright? And so, the next one God looked at is the hostess. So, first a virgin, a servant, then a steward, now a hostess. 25th chapter, verse 34 and 40. I watch people. Now, most people in my limited time of Pentecost always think they're doing me a favor, and they're wrong. Because this is not my church. Not my kingdom. On the job, you know, we used to work with guys who work together. And we got guys who work with us and got to work under us and got above us. We got the guy under me. Now, he can try to spite me and not do the work. But is he hurting me? No. He's hurting who? The company. I'm only doing what the company asked me to do. He's hurting the cause the cause. Alright? Uh, 25th chapter in verse 34. Go there, please, and In verse 40. Notice how they were judged for their usefulness. I'm trying to do an analysis of these scriptures to understand how God looked at us. That's how He's going to judge us. When we stand before Jesus Christ, it shouldn't be a shock when we're being judged. We should know exactly what He's going to say and how He's going to say it. Because he told us they're ready. This is how he's going to do it. No, no surprise. He told you, ready. The wise virgin is going to take you for readiness and being, uh, make you some opportunity. I gave you the faithful servant. You know, I gave you a leverage here. I'll tell you what to do. Amen. Are you faithful in, in what I put in your charge? Are you are you dependable? Are you reliable? What are you like? He said, I'm going to test you on that. And then the guy. Was not profitable, so they're going to check you. It was all based on your ability. So you can't say, I give you something beyond your ability. You are just not a person of integrity. Just doing the right thing. Alright? So, back to Matthew 24, 45 51. Now, see why he can't just read the Bible? He's going to miss the the message. There's something he wants to tell you. And you have to break it out into segments. And see by analysis what he's trying to tell you, and then put it all together. All those four stories are one. Are you faithful? Are you dependable? Are you reliable? If you're not, I'm going to throw you out. If I'm, you're not I'm going to reject you. You will not sit. I. You will not be promoted. I will not respect you. You're going to be out of my kingdom. What do Is the master unreasonable? And expecting service? I don't think so. He said, I'll pay a high price for you. I want return on my investment. Hello. How wants a return what I, I'm paying you for it? I paid for you. I bought you. Matthew twenty four. forty five to fifty one, please. I'm also teaching how to read the Bible, so my stewardship is being checked out. So why does Pastor does what he does? Why do I want to buy next door across the road? Am I stupid? No. Why do I want to build this building for? Am I crazy? What am I going debt for? When I end up becoming a beggar for God, why would I do that? Because I know I have to face him later on. Where's the missionary? Leave their family and go to overseas. Are they dumb? You don't think they love their home too? do you think they love their family? do you think they love the comfort of fellowship and no relationship? But they can't. They have a call? Paul said, woe is mean. You know, God taught me many years from his Word that even if I had a boss who was rambunctious and mean, he said, serve him as me." I were dumb. When I first got saved, <laughs> and I'm, I don't know Christianity that much. and I didn't get, to get the job I wanted to. Cause my, my pastor said, don't take it. And I, and I listened, but I was angry. I was mad. But I listened. And I uh, got another job. Very demeaning. For that concern to my trade. I thought, this is terrible. And then that guy crossed me. And I was mad. I can't close he got so mad I walked out on him I stepped him on the door he knew I was mad I was mad angry I mean if I had Irish in me was coming out while I was walking out the door God said where do you think you're going where do you think you're going go back Submit to him what go back so I went back and you know after that he just he knew I was mad he just broke right now it became nice Then I felt embarrassed but I, I learned something about that. That when 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 you are a servant, I mean you're a slave. That's where servant means slave. And a slave does not choose the role or responsibility. A slave is always ready to serve. Always ready to give or to release. And we see in Matthew twenty-four, forty-five, fifty-one. God's trying to determine who is the faithful in servitude so he can reward them. Every man shall be rewarded as his work shall be. Wow. That's amazing. Hmm. Matthew 25 verse 1 to 13 The whole situation here is to determine who is wise and who is not wise as a hostess. Think about it. Getting ready. In the 25th chapter, verse 14 to 30, it's determined who is profitable. I will tell you, everybody on Sunday in this church will not be profitable. Everybody on Sunday in the church or when the church is got right out, is not a hostess. They all came. And they'll all come. And they all should come. But when it comes to the church, They shrunk right down the little flock. Amen. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. He wants to determine who is profitable. You don't think every guy in a city has to give an account to God why the city is lost? Why they're not saved? Don't you think they have to give an account to why they didn't hear what he had to preach? It said, Noah condemned the world. Not, not, not condemn the world. that said, Noah did. Alright? The 25th chapter of Matthew. 31 to 46. God wants to determine who is involved in church business. So the first one, faithfulness and servitude. The second one, who's the wise one among us? Wise steward hostess among us. And the third one, who's profitable in stewardship. And number four, who is involved in the thing of God. I've always taught, and this is my my philosophy in life, I never take a position if I'm not going to fulfill it. I will not do it. I will not do it. Especially in the house of God. So if you ask me to serve, I'm going to serve. Now, I mean, I mean, serve more than you want me to, but I'm going to serve. I don't think I should just give you just what you ask for. God said, "Give good measure, press down, running over." Like I said, my boss wanted to fire me the last time I had. He wanted to fire me, really bad. <laughs> And I said, Look, you know why you're like this to me? Because you don't like my Christianity. I know that. You know that. So he transferred me from where I was to take services. He said, You, you know, you exceed your, your, your responsibility here. Well, I have to exceed it to stay there. Because the moment I honor, perform, I'm out. But give no excuse to to, to fire me. He couldn't. So. The rapture is the final reward. Let's do this again. I'm doing that several times. You get a message. Number one, faithfulness. Your faithfulness to what was committed to your trust. God only called me once to make Murray, And do not talk to me twice about what I have to do. I know what I have to do in His presence or out of His presence. I just know what I have to do. And I know he's quiet, but he's, he's watching. And I understand. I have to meet him one day at the judgment seat of Christ. And I have to give an account to him. Someone said, well, what is integrity? Integrity is what you do when no one is watching and you know you won't be caught. I can do it and but a hypocrite is somebody who deceives you high performance in your presence in your absence they're not and Jesus said this servant is a hypocrite not truthful not fruitful not useful throw it out hey this is alright your quietness is deafening wisdom how wise are you? How wise am I? I don't think God should suffer loss with me. It doesn't matter what I came and saw. It's how I leave things. You know, we got a coffee room upstairs. You walk in this dirty. Should you fix it? Yes, you should. Well, it's not my job. Sure, it's your job. Because you saw it. The fact, fact, you saw it. You'll fix it. You want a the bathroom? The bathroom, look good fix it. It's your job. Fix it. Why? Because you saw it. It was a terrible thing when that guy passed that guy down in the gutter. And Jesus said, he's a bad neighbor. Wisdom. 25th chapter. Verse 10. The wise and the foolish were separated. One is readiness and one is not ready. Caught unprepared. You call that caught with your shirt off. <laughs> the versions about who's wise and who's not wise among us. All saints aren't wise. We know that. Some of us have no wisdom at all. I mean, let's face it. How do you know that? Well, Actions speak louder than words. What you do, tell me you're not wise. What you allow, tell me you're not wise. I mean, the ant is a, is a lesson on wisdom. You know who's going to go to heaven, and them that are wise, that's turned men to righteousness. Wise people do wise things. I don't want to speak the other words. And the opposite is what they do. Now be fine servitude and faithfulness hostessing amen and being wise you're supposed to have everything ready but when I come it's there when I come you're prepared for me I'm not trying to get me when I'm there no no you know if, you're, if you you have, have a client coming to see if you're a lawyer. You don't wait with your client coming and starts looking for stuff, then you're you're paying, you're charging money you shouldn't be charging. Because you should have that ready. Ready. Amen. And to be profitable, I mean, you leave things better than what you came and you saw. Okay. Here's a girl. She called. She didn't know what she's doing. She didn't know she was setting herself for, for, for promotion And God was testing her Because God told Eliezer Through Abraham I want nothing less than Somebody wise hearted And Eliezer, Boy got a big job on his hands Go find that girl that God can use Because she's going to affect the whole world So a church is A church is going to affect the whole world You see, the decision the pastor makes most of the time, saints don't understand it. The thing that you want to throw away, God said, no, you can't throw it away. You could never throw away the ashes. You have to place it in a proper place. You could never throw away a sacrifice. You have to put it in a proper place. We see, uh, a, a stutter brain who don't understand just grab a thing us throw a thing in because the they have no commitment to it. But a committed heart knows that you can't just take a sacrifice and throw it to the dog or in a garbage bin. You can't tomorrow take a pulpit and throw it in the garbage. In the garbage, it's an insult to God. No, you still do that. It has to be reverently put aside properly. Well, Pastor, this is no junk. To you it is, but to me. It's the foundation of a soul. Because there's spirit anointing on it. There is anointing on it. The man' bone is in the graveyard, but there's still anointing on that bone. And look at the man, Eleazar. Eleazar is called to go out, he's called to find a bride for his master, and he gave him a charge. He I charge you, make sure that you don't do anything different than I told you. Church, what's the charge? The charge is a legal responsibility. And it's wrong to say yes and never do it. We're not saying no and then do do it. <laughs> you please got a whole lot more. But say yes and never perform. And church, I'm trying to tell you, we are going to be judged on this. We're ready to meet Acts 2.38, but the rest is, is a performance re- review by God. There's a judgment seat of Christ. It's right there. It's right there. Where's it? Up here. It's right here. You don't in me. I'm sure it's up here. This up. I'm telling you you're going to go there. Every Christian will die. Some don't make it. Maybe Acts 238, but they were useless in church. Never lift a finger. Never won a soul. Never taught a Bible study. Did nothing for God. they will be lost. On that basis. It teaches that. That's what it's trying to teach you. Throw some out. Keep some in. Because on the other side, you're still serving. Eliezer, find that girl. Find that girl. Find that girl. And when you bring her to me, she better not be the wrong girl. Boy, what a responsibility. What a responsibility. God placed in my care what He died for, what He suffered for, Do you know all these scriptures were not written by the person who spoke? You ever read that before? I was in one place telling them Phoebe was a girl or a woman in the church committed to carry what the apostle said. She could lose it. Not only would they lose it but I would lose it too because I would be able to read it. The responsibility The sacredness of the house of God and the things of God. You're not, you know, (laughs) when you come in the church, you can't carry a secular attitude in the church work. I don't care what you're dealing with. You can't act like you're secular. You have to be spiritual. Everything about it is spiritual. Everything you do is sacred. (laughs) Huh. And Lazar says, Well, Lord, I don't know who to, who's girl going to be. And he gave God a test. And she passed the test. He just passed the test. She was better than he prayed for. He asked for one that would feed you know what? him some water. And she said, Let me do the camel also. Going beyond the call of duty you know every every preacher who who knows this aren't going to be a pastor you become a beggar you have to beg people for God <laughs> beg things for God and, and, and put up with a lot of spirits for God because that's the way it is because it's not going to come naturally you're always begging it and you know people people blackmailing with us and all this stuff and have their attitude and all stuff. But that stuff Oh, the church the church was not built without women stitching up curtains the church was not built without men cutting on wood huh and oxen drawing stuff none of them on their own were, were, were good enough but together they were and that's what built the church before I close I want to tell you friend she said I will I will feed the camels also and I'm told by these writers that camels have big capacity and she fed them all, not realizing, girl, you are feeding the thing that's going to su- support you the rest of the journey of your life. She had no idea that what she was doing. And the guy was looking at her like this My God, my God, what have I found? <laughs> wow. He said, Let me go back and show my master what I found. Rebecca does not know what he prayed for and what she was fulfilling. And you never know. You see, Bible says, a man's gift may room for him. Sometimes, you have a gift and we can't use it because your spirit is not right. You got ability God can't use because, you know, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron had an ability but God didn't want it. God says, e, no, I don't want him at all. And we see why later on. He'd be like a golden calf. Huh. And Moses said, well, I don't have anything to offer you, God. I said, oh, that's you I want. Because <laughs> I know. I know. And God says, Moses did everything God told him, including Joshua. Excuse will never save a Pentecostal. I have searched the Bible carefully. I have not found one excuse in the Bible where God was ever sympathetic towards. Never. In every case, he condemns it. Why? So it is. Alright, so servitude. When you find are you profitable or are you hospitable? It ends that way. He says, I was and you didn't. I needed and you didn't. You could have and you should have and you didn't perform it. Alright, so in closing, let me point out to, to you again, get back to you again, right down for yourself. Twenty fourth chapter, verse forty five fifty one. Are you faithful? Or are you unfaithful? Most pastors know but won't tell you. If they tell you, you are probably backslide over it. (laughs) Best of God tell you. He can deal with it. It's true. So it says, Never give a survey unless unless you can deal with the answers. If you can't even answer, don't give a survey. <laughs> because it might not be what you want to hear. Right? Matt 25, 1 to 13. Who's a wise who's a foolish servant? I don't know about you, but the person not being baptized and getting saved, I get worried. I get worried. So you can't save somebody? No, I can't save them. I get worried because I'm supposed to be. And so should the church get worried. And the church should examine ourselves, so should I. Are we being used of God? Are we being using God? Number two, Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Are you wise? Or are you foolish? God taught me when I was at my brothers Christianity, never shut door I open for you. And don't force your way into the door that I close. You'll be hurt. But I mean, no, when he does it, no one can mess it up. Even if they try. You can't curse what God bless. And you can't bless what God curses. 25th chapter, Matthew verse 14 to 30 who is profitable I could have stayed in a little white building that God gave me when I first came here I really could have and the city would not care one bit I believe that they wouldn't care and I knew they wouldn't care if I had service on Sunday morning or Sunday night they wouldn't care if I just shut it down and go to the pub and get drunk they wouldn't care one bit and they wouldn't care if I just had five minutes of Bible study and go home and say, oh, folks, go home. It's got a pizza. And they wouldn't care if I go because I knock doors. They wouldn't care one bit. Nobody would care. Absolutely nobody cared. And nobody across that bed didn't even go do this. But I know there's a God who's watching. He said, I'll catch you on your way out on <laughs> I mean, the checkout counter, you know, if you have a ministry and you're not being fruitful, it should bother you. (coughs) If I give you something and you give back to me the way I gave it to you, shame on us. It's a shame. You're supposed to give to me better than. You're supposed to exceed. I mean, the guy didn't lose anything. All right, Lord, this is what you gave me. He it back to you just like he gave it to me. Right? He never lost one iota thing. He gave it the way he got it back. Lord so said, I mean, all that time, I gave you all that space of time, and now I showed up expecting results and performance, and you have the nerve to be criticizing me also and telling me that I'm an austere man and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. He said, no, 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 you're rude, but you're unprofitable. You're unfaithful, <coughs> and you lack performance. He said, bind them, throw them in the office, read it for yourself, church. That's our Jesus talking to us. <laughs> now you guys don't understand New Year's service. What, what affects me? See, you can talk all you want to, but you're not my boss my boss is Jesus I don't care what your plans are my plans come from him when I get my plan I don't care what you think I'll tell you my way or the highway because I'm going to hear from him what he wants is what I'm going to do that's what I do because in the end you got to give me the rubber stamp He said, well what if no one the Lord told the servant come back empty handed it don't bother me but you've obeyed me You've carried out my will. You've done what I want you to do. 25th chapter. Throne 4 to 6. It says, the last one. Are you hospitable? Wise steward. Faithful servant. part of servant. characterless. If I was in the city for 20 years. I know to get saved, I'd be angry. I'd be mad. I want to know why. I want to know why. I don't know what's wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with God. What's wrong with me? We know they're guys, they're guys, you know, they're in ministries, and they can't show one person they ever want to the Lord. Let's stand. And I thought to myself, no, I can't make people live for God. But I can help them live for God. But I can't make them stay with God. You can't make them stay with God. I are not to care how much you love your kids. Your kids are going to do what they want to do in the end, no matter, no matter what you do. Because they got their own mind. Uh, you know, this, this, this is crazy. You know, why would you do this? You know where this came from? Out of my prayer life. I should do this. So I did it. Well, it may not be perfect. It may I be good. We got to do this. Why? Because he says, do it. You well, ask him, why? <laughs> Just do it. And I walk back away and then let him have his way. God said, buy that. Okay, so I buy. I said, quit that. When I quit my job, God said, quit. I asked my wife, "You told me, quit. And if you don't quit, I'll make you be glad to quit. <laughs> you told me that, Quit. When I say quit one day, he said, no, you're not going to quit. The big old strike on, I want to quit, he just said, no, you're not gonna quit. You're gonna stay right there. Do what, do what I say. I thought, boy, this is crazy. Amen. You know, have you, ever, you folks haven't preached before? My wife, know this. Every place I preach, I think it's a flop. She always, always tell me, stop it, stop it, stop it. I thought, boy, this is terrible. I didn't do good. Oh, even that's what I said, Whoa, I did great. Oh, I don't feel great. No, I don't feel great. I feel horrible. I missed it. Oh, what's the deal? I said, what do you want me to tell you? Lies? No. I said, how was it? You won't believe anyhow. <laughs> you never get so satisfied with yourself until you satisfy the boss. After you've done all, say to yourself, "What I am? What?" Saint Church, loud and clear. Unprofitable servant, because I did that which was my duty. I have been the church. I didn't say in the way in the church. Since 1972, and I have not brought him one profit or one gain. I don't know why God uses the term, serve me. Or I serve the Lord. Church, be honest. Who's serving whom? Be honest. He's serving us. Really, let's face it, He's doing all the good things for us. What benefits have we brought to Him? Be honest. Your skill and my skill belongs to him. you know what God said us in the church? And church, when people are functioning in in the gifts that God gave them for the church, leave them alone. Don't don't go criticize them and beat them up and, and call them to leave the church. You're wrong. God didn't call you a goat. He <laughs> put the goat on the left and the sheep on the right. Is that right? Let people function in, 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 in the lane that God puts them. And God going to be glorified in what they gave. Is that right? One guy could run fast. Then the other guy. But God said, I don't want you to run. I know you're fast, but I don't want you to run. So, oh, let me run. No, 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 don't run. <laughs> he ran out of the way. And got there first and had nothing to offer. We want God to have his way. Now, church, I'm telling the truth. Right where we are. This is for pastors and saints and you and I together collectively. We have to give an account of how we labor, how we work, how we weakness, how, we, how our ambassador we are, how steward we are. And the categories that you're gonna test you and me on are just totally already at the judgment seat of Christ. I have not lied to you, I told you the truth. He will check us out. Praise God. I said praise God. And parents, I want to tell you. You need to encourage your kids to do what's right. Because every time you spend time with them, you're investing in them. Because when I grew up, I realized how important my parents were to me. But at that time, I did not know it. After I grew up, I realized how important their lives were to me. Amen. I would not be in this faith if my mom and dad had not lived for God. And some of you are forced to come in on your own and become the first case, the first cause. Bless God. Keep that uh, generation going. But amen. Don't look at God's work and say, Well, again, my wife and I used to clean church in Edmonton. We just borrowed the key. We asked for it. And we went there and we said we wanted to do it. And that's where I learned to play the piano. I learned to play while I was cleaning church. Nobody's there to listen to it. But I said, God, if you ever let me learn how, I promise you I'll play in church if there's no piano player around. And you know what? I found God empower us to do his will. God didn't give me money in my pocket to have a bigger house, a bigger car, and a bigger whatever. He gave me to support his work, to further his cause. I found out my education I had was preparing me for McMurray because I fit in the plant. I didn't know that. Where I want to go is not where he wanted me, but where I end up is where he wanted me. And and he said, now work for me right here. And God said, the gift, make the room for you. Would you bow your heads tonight? You're never too.